What's up, Gumbo listeners? Demetrius Malbro here with another Data Protection Gumbo episode, and this one is titled The Analysis of Backup Data to Defeat Ransomware. And to drop some knowledge for us today, I have Tim Williams founder and CEO of Index Engines on the show. And Tim is also an active angel investor. He's well-versed in information governance, data management, compliance, and e-discovery. So Gumbo listeners, Tim will be laying out a solid ransomware recovery plan to help your CISO or Chief Information Security Officer sleep better at night with several steps that include scanning, analytics, analysis, repetition and investigation. So put on your headphones or AirPods and get ready to gain some valuable gumbo insight. Welcome to the gumbo, Tim. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks. Great to be here. All right, Tim. So let's go ahead and get right into the questions. I'm sure gumbo listeners are are, are ready to, to see exactly the type of insight they can learn about First of all, Index Engines and uh, also a little bit about yourself. So can you give us a quick rundown of what Index Engines is? Well, it's a software company. We can analyze data content, enterprise data content at very high speeds and scale. So you you mentioned the use cases for that, large e-discovery projects, data governance projects, um, data management projects where you need to not just know data by metadata characteristics, but also by the content, be able to classify automatically detect anomalies. In particular, um, one of the hottest things we're doing now is the ability to detect mm-hmm. by examination of a complete examination of data content, detect ransomware attacks on your data. All right. Yeah, we're going to get into a little bit of the ransomware side of the house in, in, in just a moment. And I read your LinkedIn article. It seems like it was a hit. It's the how to end our ransomware arms race. And I think you wrote that um, a couple of months ago, right right uh, in the heart of COVID. Yes. And so you, you start off by mentioning the, the framing effect. And so I guess what's the framing effect and, and why is it important to understand? Sure. Well, you talk to any CIO today and if they're being honest with you, they're telling you that ransomware is keeping up nights. They're scared. And the, the way they talk about it and the panic that they have when they say about it, it, it reminded me of the old days when right after 9-11, the government was saying, you know, we have to be right 100% of the time and the enemy only has to be right once and then we're going to be attacked. And that's the frame of, of CIOs when they think about ransomware, that it's an attack. It's an asymmetrical attack by unknown people. It's kind of like a terror attack to them. You, you see them. And the goal in that kind of attack is to prevent it, of course, because the worst thing that happened in a terror attack is for the terror to be successful. But the problem is, in the ransomware world, it doesn't work. And there's just too many opportunities for getting through. There's too much tech debt. There's too much churn. There's too much to keep up with. A, a determined attacker is going to get through. So they're, they're set up for failure because they're, they're, their goal is to prevent the attack. I'm saying they shouldn't be trying to, but that, that's their frame. When we look at this, so that's not the frame of, if you're trying to attack a virus, prevent a virus from hurting you, you're going to want a vaccine, but you also need to know when the, those when the vaccine fails. And you, so you need a regimen of testing and you need a cure. 
And so, well, it's natural to see the ransomware as, as from the frame of, of a military, a warfare attack. If you look at from the other attack, is you can have, if you had a good test and you could tell when the when the you could tell very quickly that your the, the attacker succeeded and got through, and you could recover from it, you had a cure. And the, the cure, of course, is restoring the data from the backup. It's something you can live with. It's it's a it's a it's still a terrible problem, but a, a three-pronged approach to ransomware is far more livable with than, um, than, than trying to prevent the attack exclusively. Right. Yeah. So I, I do remember reading about the three-pronged strategy that you said it's single-handedly transformed the way that the, the entire world operates, you know, which is what COVID-19 actually did. I guess the first thing that you mentioned is what the race for a vaccine, also the race for testing and the race for a cure. Like, how is this framing related to, to fighting ransomware? I know you explained it a little bit, but and I really liked the way you, you wrote the article and, and it, it made me think a little bit about, wow, I, I've never thought about ransomware from, from this perspective and using COVID-19 and, you know, a vaccine and testing and cure, you know, all of that's just really, really I think it was pretty clever, you know, for you to um, write that article. Well, everyone wants the vaccine, and the vaccine today in, in the ransomware world is real-time intrusion detection um, and prevention. Real-time prevention. Real, um, there's there's some phenomenally good technology out there, and I, we don't argue against it. You should, everyone should be deploying the best vaccine, ransomware vaccine that that they can afford, and that makes cost-effective sense. But no one believes that uh, any vaccine will be 100% effective in the healthcare world. And the truth is that it's not going to be 100% effective in the ransomware world either. So the second prong is the test. And the test, if you could test data within one backup cycle and know that your data has been corrupted, then what you've turned a ransomware attack in, instead of a disaster, it's a total disaster and an and a, a unrecoverable or difficult to recover, difficult to manage problem, you've turned it into a, a data center recovery. After a, when your data center fails, you just restore from it. A disaster that you can live from, a cyber disaster can be recovered from simply from the restoration. If you know with great certainty that your, your data has been corrupted. And so the goal is, in that scenario, is to know yesterday's backup was good, today's just got hit, so, so roll back to yesterday. All right. Can, can you also tell us a little bit about, I guess, you, you mentioned that there was an executive review that you participated in that was centered around the importance of, of having a defense plan against ransomware. And, you know, when it comes to cybersecurity, what do you think keeps executives up, up at night from that perspective, just from a cybersecurity perspective? Well, there's there's. Dwell times are getting um, longer and longer. The time between the penetration and the ultimate attack mm-hmm. is, is an average three months these days. It used to be very short time. So the, the fear of what is somebody already in and what are they doing? Are they copying sensitive data out? Are they, are they, what, how are they compromising? So it's that unknown. And then how will I recover after the attack? What, what do I do? What data is good? How long have they been corrupting my data? What if it doesn't work? How do I restore? How many how many weeks will we be out of commission before we can be back in business? Data is everything to business today. And if you can't have access to data, your, your whole business becomes vulnerable. If you can give certainty to those answers, uh, those questions, 
How will you know if you can detect? The test will tell you. How long will it take? Restore to the previous version of your data. Okay. Yeah, all of that definitely makes sense. And Tim, what do you recommend as a, a solid ransomware recovery solution or, or defense plan where the CISO can sleep better at night? And, you know, I took a look at, at index engines and saw something around, you know, being able to detect and diagnose and recover. Looks like you have some solutions there. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, we, um, we integrate with backup software um, uh, and we and we detect corruption, we, we scan, we observe the backup data every day, full content, full analytics. Um, we run those observations through a machine learning algorithm to eliminate all false positives. And we can tell that compared to yesterday or compared to the last backup you did, this backup has been corrupted and it's time to restore. And then we can give lots of um, hints on which files have been hit if you're recording event logs, we can, um, and, and with your backup, we can tell you who whose account was compromised. Even we can uh, tell you the likely uh, if if, the, if it's an event log, it'll tell you what files were executed to, to change all those files that we detected that are compromised. So we suggest integrating this to make sure your backup is secure. And um, and worst case scenario, you just use that tool that you're using for all other disasters to to re restore from it. We have um, very deeply integrated with um, Dell's cyber recovery. Um, you'll see that on our website, and we've been selling an awful lot of that through that channel. I appreciate you um, breaking that down for for the Gumbo listeners. And you, you mentioned, I guess, some of the integrations and partnerships that you have. So do, do you still see a lot of companies maintaining legacy backup catalogs and also, <laughs> has there been an increase or, or a decrease in, in getting off of legacy backup systems that, that you've seen? Highly regulated companies will try to remediate all their old backup stuff um, because they have to be able to produce it for litigation, for compliance. Reports. But most people will just keep their old backup infrastructure until it ages away. And, it's, you know, and they may or may not pay, pay support fees for the old infrastructure. But um, it's... So it depends on how important the data is in your backup, whether you're going to be proactive about that. Okay, so so it's not not really an, an increase or a decrease. It's just kind of a steady stream of of companies that you've seen that they they want to move move forward with their with their backup solution, and let's say they purchase something else, and then they just decide to kind of phase out the older technology that that they were using. Is is that is that a fair assumption? Yes, yes, yes. Of course. Cloud is becoming a really attractive target for backup, and that's causing a lot of people to to reevaluate vendors these days. And, um, right. Most so we we work with all size companies all around the world, and um, it's not unusual for them to have many different backups, including the legacy data. Right. Yeah, and so, something else that that cloud has done as well too is um, it's I think cloud has increased the amount of regulation and compliance that corporations are also having to deal with. So let, let's get into some of the data governance and, and things like GDPR and, and data security, right? So what do you recommend as, as one of the most efficient ways to maybe find all of that personal data under management with things like, you know, data classification and search and, and maybe monitoring? Do you have any, any recommendations around that? Um, it's a broad field and it depends on what you 
you want to do with it. So, so there's a very narrow set of, if you're, con- if you're concerned about financial data security, if you're concerned about identity theft, the key to identity theft is keeping secure things like your social security number, your um, bank account number, your credit cards. Those are the things that that you, people use to steal your identity. There's a broad set of tools um, that can find those kind, that kind of data. Uh, the problem with most of the tools is the false positives they generate. So there's a lot of things in the world that look like a social security number potentially, and social security numbers are not necessarily stored with the dashes in the right place. Key to finding that kind of information is in, uh, is seeing if it's identifiable. So. It's one of the things we do is we can tell that that social security number is near a person whose name is Demetrius Marlboro. And, um, and so, okay, oh, if, if, if you try to, or, or this credit card number is near that person. So if you try to use a credit card number without a, a person's name and home address, you're going to fail. Again, they have to validate it. But it's the proximity of those two types of data together that are the things that you need to search for. But um, when you talk about the broader levels of compliance, then you're talking about personal information, not just sensitive financial information, but personal information, my, my health records, my um, voting history. How do you find health information about Tim Williams? It's kind of a, it's not a number. I mean, there, there are health numbers, but how I felt about or, or the results of an examination a day that might, maybe, might, maybe somebody sent me in an email. That's a conceptual search. You have to you have to understand data that is about health information in general. Uh, we have that ability to search for specific types of concepts, and and specifically those health information that is near somebody's name or address. So in the in the compliance world, it's very important to be able to catch those those combinations together. And so most people say, okay, now there's there's security and governance is a different thing. But if you look at if you look at some of the attacks that people are making, uh, the, the, the tech vectors that are coming possible, when people are attacked by ransomware and they say, well, we're not going to pay it, a very common response is, well, you know, I've been dwelling in your system for 90 days and we found all your donor records or all your health records and and we made a copy of them. So those are going online. If you don't. All of a sudden now, data governance is becoming um, required required to protect against cyber attacks and it's these 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 two use cases are merging yeah and i guess so you you've mentioned that you have to be able to i guess locate and find all of that so you know one one thing that i've seen is that there's some type of like artificial intelligence or machine learning that does heuristics on all of the backup data to determine what the change rate was from let's say the previous night's backup right if there's like an astronomical change of you know your data change let's say 20 percent in one night that's it's not normal. So something has definitely happened to that data, right? Right. We, 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 we capture, I think it's close to 120 different statistics about the data when we're analyzing for a cyber attack. And so one might be that there's been a lot of change or a lot of deletes, but that's also a very common thing for people to do when they're cleaning up. Maybe a, maybe a high level of change data in a database might be unusual, but you could you could be um, reorganized it or or reclaim reclaim garbage that last night. Another could be um, lots of um, high entropy, lots of disorganization. But people do encrypt files for lots of good reasons. So the problem with just looking at those kind of statistics is the chances that you could generate false positives 
and you're telling people, well, it looks like there might be something, and you're offloading all the work to, um, to the customer. What we've done is we've taken those close to 120 different statistics, and we've run them through machine learning algorithms to determine what combinations and what weights of, of those statistics are indicative of each different type of cyber attack we've seen. We collect them by the thousands. There's new ones coming out every day, categorize them in about 20 some odd attack vectors, and each attack vector has a different set of characteristics, a different pattern. It's that machine learning algorithm that takes all the changes to the content and, and metadata and determines whether or not you were attacked. Yeah, okay. That that sounds um, sounds like a lot of different um, attack vectors and a lot of pieces of data that, that you have to analyze there. And I think it was Veeam. Yeah, I think it was Veeam that I had on, and they... They have a technology as well that they've recently rolled out. And one thing that I find interesting, pretty cool that they do is they they hook into the antivirus software. And that was the first time I had ever heard that. So I thought that was pretty you know, innovative of them. Just because I've never heard of it doesn't mean I guess it's um, like something no one else is doing. But yeah, well, so of course, antivirus software by its very nature is a is a cure. Right? It's trying to detect the virus. <laughs> so, right. So. So um, it's, it's a good thing to have. And there's, there's lots of different um, proactive, real-time determinants that, that an attack is happening. But that's, it's best that very few attacks succeed. But, the, but that's kind of, the, that's the antiviral cure. That's the prevention of that the attack ever happened. It's not the test or the cure. So. Okay. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And um I appreciate you sharing and and let let's roll into the the closing gumbo question and Tim this is one that I I ask uh, each guest that I have on on the show uh, it's it's kind of an off the wall type of question but um, I'm sure you you'll have a little fun with it <laughs> and uh, the question is what what makes you frustrated or angry enough that you would consider standing in front of a data center and protesting about it until there's change. Well, it's it's going to be self-serving, but um, people don't take responsibility for the data in the data center. They don't. They don't. Um, they they don't proactively manage the data that's under their care. And when they're subject to um, governance regulations, if the reaction will be, "Well, we got to get legal on this and see if they can get us out of this." What really drives me crazy. I'm a big privacy advocate, and I think companies should manage the privacy of the data under their care. They should know the data. They should take care of it and be responsible for it. There's, you know, there's not much of that in this country. My whole family was um, uh, a victim of that experience at hit, and we've got three kids, and um, my wife and I were all all our social security numbers were compromised a while back. We locked our credit, and now we can't. We have to unlock it every time we want to do something. But that's you should so so. I'm part of my business, data privacy business, but that drives me crazy that a company could do that. Yeah, there there definitely has to be some responsibility around you know data breaches, and you know I guess some of the rules and regulations are now getting stricter more and more strict on you know cios and ceos and cso's 
uh, you know, if something like that occurs. So, you know, someone has to be responsible. And so I really appreciate your, your insight on the ransomware and, you know, how Index Engines is, um, is doing things, you know, around cybersecurity. Is, is there any kind of way um, you would like for the Gumbo listeners to maybe reach out to you on social media or LinkedIn? Um, pretty active on LinkedIn. They can, they can connect with me there. That's, that's usually the best way to do it. Thank you so much, Tim, for coming on Data Protection Gumbo and truly appreciate it. And until next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Data Protection Gumbo. Please follow us on Twitter at DPG Podcast and join our Backup and Recovery Professionals LinkedIn group. Just search Backup and Recovery Professionals on LinkedIn and you will find the group. And until next time, Gumbo listeners, have a fantastic week.